we're doing here with this podcast, I hope anyway, is helping people to understand that with astrology, you have some really excellent tools to give meaning to the matter. And if you tell a really good story, hopefully it'll be mythic so that it has some breathing room instead of literal so that it has no breathing room. Welcome to episode uh, 11 <laughs> of Off the Charts, a stellar newscast. I'm Whitney Fishburne, temporarily in Tennessee with my colleague, co-host and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace in New York. Hello, Elizabeth. And what do you know? There you are. I'm doing great. It's um, a million degrees here in, in New York. Well, it's hotter in blazes down here too, but uh, I got a kayak, so I got I got somewhere to go. Or it's a little breezy. Well, who are we? We are both renegades from corporate media who report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news. We not only want to show you how the media manipulates you into working against your best interests. We hope you're convinced of that by now at episode 11, but if not, we'll just keep on trucking. We want to help you anticipate the cycles and trends in the world so you can see the world is not random, chaotic, and scary. Well, we always wonder about whether or not it's scary, but it's definitely not random and chaotic. But part of an ensouled universe where cycles within cycles strongly suggest there is a greater consciousness enfolding us, moving through us and around us. It's a larger intelligence that is more awesome than we humans can ever be, even if we are amazing. And even if we don't understand just what these cosmic impulses are or where they come from. And most importantly, Elizabeth and I want to encourage you to participate in the unfoldment of what our universe has in store. We matter. Where the impulse to matter comes from, that's the mystery, and that is the mystery that impels us. First, I would love for you to tell me more about this. You said you got a really funny comment from somebody on one of your uh, Oh yeah, I might my first <laughs> comment. My first comment. Yes, one of the one of the things I've been doing another little different kind of podcast which is actually a little video podcast 5 minutes every Sunday called the weather forecast W H E T H E R. No one has ever commented until now. <laughs> and what it said was comb your hair. This is bull crap. <laughs> and it was edited. So we know what she said first. We know what she wrote initially and then thought better of it because she felt perhaps ashamed. And, and I think what you should have said is, hi, mom. <laughs> I may still do that. Or if, yeah, I may still do that. I, I, I may still. So they, they say that you should not engage with, with your, your, your pet trolls. So uh, I haven't responded to her yet, although, um, I'm, but everybody on my Facebook page has found it hilarious. So <laughs> I find, I do, I find it hilarious too. But it also, it's interesting because this week I heard from a, uh, a podcaster who has a, a show syndicated on NPR. Um, and she's somebody that I know. And I was a guest on, on her podcast a few years ago for something else. And she was playing with the idea of having more astrology, but she'd had an astrologer on her podcast recently and she got one person who blamed her. And, you know, I wrote her back and I was like, okay, well, you know, those people are, those are the people who are so threatened that they have to let you know that you've threatened them because otherwise just whatever, move on, who cares? You know, we are getting a lot of attention and we are hitting a nerve, but um, there are people for whom this type of power 
to create your own story and to really have no intermediary other than your own consciousness and your own imagination. Um, this is really scary stuff. Really scary stuff. I'm still down here in uh, the Bible Belt. I have been going to my parents' church, which I do not do at home. Um, it is a Baptist church. Uh, weirdly, I did not grow up Baptist. I grew up Catholic. Wow. My, but my parents have um, joined the Baptist church. However, it's not foreign to me. I used to go to the um, Baptist um, church with my Uncle Archie and my Aunt Betty. The communion was crushed up um, saltines and Welch's grape juice. But oh, my still, God. still using the Welch's grape juice. So what does astrology and, and being a Baptist have to do with anything? I sit there and I listen to the preacher in, in the Baptist church, and they know how to tell a story. Yeah. They know how to tell a story. You know, that is really what this is all about. If you are at all interested in the story of your life and really engaging with the characters that are going to come into your life, because, you know, the, the symbols of the planets, they're more than just you. They reflect a whole bunch of things in your life. All the world's and, a stage. Exactly. Shakespeare had it right. He knew. But here, but I, I took this even further. I sat there, listened to this guy, the Baptist, tell this amazing story out of numbers. And he started with, well, you know, the king and his toadies. And I was like, yeah, see, this is, I'm already like, who are the toadies? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'm totally up for who's, for where you're going to take me here. Here we are on the threshold of potentially the nation splitting so that one of, you know, one viewpoint, the Christo-nationalist viewpoint can take over. And, and how are they going to do it? They're going to yeah. do it by the power of story. Mm -hmm. All we're doing here with this podcast, I hope anyway, is helping people to understand that with astrology, you have some really excellent tools to give meaning to the matter. And if you tell a really good story, hopefully it'll be mythic so that it has some breathing room instead of literal so that it has no breathing room, which is what the Baptists do in my experience. But that's really what America's crises is right now is a crisis of story. It's a crisis of story. We've had the American dream, which turned out to just be, you know, awesome branding. I don't know. I've just been thinking about it, that astrology is actually something for the new world. And, um, you know, there's another astrologer. I won't say who it is, but there's another astrologer. She's really, really well known, really popular. And she has said that um, possibly the age of Aquarius, which she, she's been saying is really the end of this decade, that we're going to enter it. And um, there will be a lot less fervor and love for astrology in the age of Aquarius, which I know you disagree with. I don't yeah, know. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Okay. The story, the cover story of the New York times Sunday magazine was all about circadian medicine. You see this, you know what this is? All right. Here's the subhead. This is the cover story. The time of your life, circadian medicine researchers are trying to figure out the right hour of the day to do everything. Can their studies sync us up with better health? Wait till these researchers find out what astrologers do for a living and how we are looking at cycles of timing and, and, and seeing how a clock, you know, the clock begins at this particular event, and then we can track it and see critical, critical days. Like if you're doing medical astrology, you can see crisis points or turning points. Um, it's, it's fascinating. And this, what this 
what this article says that I have to go to this page because I like highlighted all the stuff. One thing they said was, oh my God, here's a biscuit recipe. The church suppers here, cheesy biscuits, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy, and most unbelievable cakes you have ever had. Western medicine has long been skeptical of studies that tout the health benefits of synchronizing treatments with biological cycles. And what we're talking about are cycles of timing because that's what a cycle, that's what the biological cycle is, right? As traditional Chinese medicine does, in large part because there are no, or there was no scientific explanation for the results. Oh, you know what? Let me just jump in. Scientism, that is the byproduct of only looking at things linearly. And yes. if you have a linear perspective, you've got this side and that side, and that's it. Chinese uh-huh. medicine does have science behind it. It is data-driven. It's observationally driven. Those are data sets that they've used for thousands of years. Same thing with astrology. It is based on data that has been accumulated over thousands of years. I want to read you something else. In the past two decades, researchers have discovered that the clock in the brain is by no means the only one in the body. It turns out that most of our cells contain a group of genes that might be thought of as gears in a mechanical watch, keeping time everywhere internally. There are at least six that are considered integral to the watch's operation. Okay, when I do my little intro, my my little PowerPoint, where I go to companies that invite me in to talk, like as an employee, you know, amusement perk, you know, let here comes the astrologer, she's going to talk about astrology, because everybody has their co-star app, and they know that there are Pisces, and they want to know what that means. Well, I actually go in, and I do my little zoom presentation or or in, in the office, and I explain, all right, We don't know why astrology works, but this is how it works. And you have all of these planetary cycles and they all have their own unique length, duration. You know, the moon goes around every 28 days. Saturn goes around every 28 in some months, years. They're all on their own cycle of timing. And what the astrologer is doing is they're looking at the back of the watch at all of these gears moving in their own unique cycle. And then they turn it around to the watch face, just the, the hour hand and the minute hand, and they say to their client, this is what time it is now. What I'm hearing you say is cycles are the new story. So welcome to Off the Charts, where we give you insight into the cycles within cycles and cycles and cycles <laughs> and how how cool it was yesterday to see the first photographs from the James Webb Telescope, where we are literally mm. looking back in mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. All right, at all of these, I mean, come on, like we are the only conscious beings in the universe. I don't think so. How is that even possible? It's not possible. It's not possible. (laughs) It's It's, not possible. Well, and not only that, gosh, it's funny that you bring that up. Oh, folks, we are so off our script. You have no idea. But it's funny you bring that up because I think last week I saw something. I don't remember which site I was on, but um, that NASA now, not just the DOD, not the Department of Defense only, but NASA has said we had better start really and truly investing money in figuring out who are all of these unidentified uh, flying objects, although there's a new name for it. What is it? Unidentified aerial phenomenon. (laughs) Where are all of these are coming from? And when NASA scientists are saying, 
uh, freak, freak, freak out. It's something we can't explain. And they're the ones who are looking, you know, back in time in the universe. I don't know. I kind of tend to think that maybe we should pay attention to what they're saying. Yeah, I think. Um, I But to your story, okay, I wanted to, the, the, the idea of storytelling um, and why astrology is, that is, yes, that is exactly what we do. And we look at when we look at a natal chart or we look at a map of where the planets are at any given moment in time, or let's say somebody comes to us and says, I can't find my keys. I've been looking for them everywhere, or I can't find my watch and my rings, which is what a client said to me last week. And she was tearing her hair out, trying to find them. And I knew from looking at this chart, this moment for the time she asked me this question, where are my where are, my, where are my rings and my watch? I could tell in the layout of this chart, this chart is a stage. The planets are players. And the astrologer's challenge is to figure out what these players, these planets represent. And when you can, and when you can correctly identify what they are, you know the story. That's yeah, it's brilliant. And that's okay. the truth. It's it really is. and 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 that's actually another reason why that is a, a primary reason why when I am working with clients, I say you are not your chart. And and you are you are part of a bigger story. And yeah. what is the story here that we're trying to unpack? And that I don't tell them. They have to help they have to help me. They have to say, you know, I'll say, look, archetypally, here are some things that I see. And here are the ways that this plot could work out. You know, you tell me, how has this been going? Yes. And then, and then a lot of times what they go is, ah, I never thought of it that way before, but that makes perfect sense. And then boom, 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 everything falls into place. And I can say, okay, now we have the context. We have the plot. We have the environment. We have the characters. Everything's in place. I, as an astrologer, can tell you, you know, well, it's not quite always choose your own adventure, but it kind of is because there are some things in the chart that I go, ooh, that's, you know, boy, that's looking really karmic. <laughs> and there are other things that, I, you know, I think, well, this is coming. This is one of these endings we could put on this or we can anticipate, but you're still going to have to show up. You're still going to have to see it. You're still going to have to do your part. And you may suddenly go off like you always do in our, in our episodes, go off and improv. And the gods may go, you know, that's kind of cool. Let's go with that. <laughs> you just don't know. Right. You, you just don't. don't know. Yeah. And that's why I was saying it has to be mythic because then you have a kind of a template, but it breathes. And that's where I go into, look, it's fate, but it's not all fate. It's fate and it's free will. And you can have both. Mm -hmm. You have to be brave enough and you have to be mature enough and you have to be imaginative enough to engage with those cycles, to engage with the cosmos. But I'm pretty sure this is what the cosmos had in mind was, hey, you know, we've given you this imagination. We're going to let you engage with us. So I don't know, I'm cutting you off. But I, part of really what I was thinking about with my story was, um, you know, we need our stories to to have it be less black or white, this or that, less othering, and and to take more responsibility for the stories that we're telling you know, because right now we're giving up the story to this, well, at least in, in the story that I told you, you know, the, the recounting of sitting there in church and hearing the way that the Baptists tell their stories, which is, they're really, really good. And part of it is being Southern. I mean, truthfully, part of it is being Southern. Southern, you know, Southern preachers, they got away. They do. It's part of, you know, it's the- Fire it's, on the pulpit. Preach it. 
They get you excited. They, they definitely get you excited. There's a lot of drama and a lot of conflict. And that's, you know, it's like the news. It knows mm -hmm. how to sell. You know, it knows how to sell. And there's always going to be a hero. And the hero mm -hmm. is going to be God and Jesus and, you know, all of those who don't question that. And, and I have to be clear with everybody. That's not a problem for me. I'm not saying that this story is wrong. Because this is a story. You have to have a hero, right? And so I don't mind that God is the hero. I'm not upset that Jesus is the is the hero. And and you know, I'm really walking a fine line with all y'all by saying this. I got you, you need to know Elizabeth, because like I can't drive 10 miles down the road here. I don't know if you've ever been where I am, but I've been to parts of North Carolina close to the Tennessee border where there's like a little white church with a steeple and a giant billboard saying Jesus is Lord. This is what is being advertised on the billboards. Yeah. In oh, that, okay. In that, in that part, that's, of, that's yeah. what's being advertised. Yeah. You're, not, you're not seeing like the roadside diner or the, you know, the, well, you're seeing that too. Well, you're seeing that too, but you're See, but you don't see so much of, you know, you're not seeing so much of the spiritualism on the billboards when you're driving through Maine, for example. No, you don't. It's just like no, <laughs> no but you 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 have no. actually you have described what what I'm talking about here. But there's one that I passed that it's it's um it's a particular um, New Testament verse, and it doesn't even tell you what it says. It just said, "Read it, live it, love it." <laughs> Like, and you had better know which Hi, one that Coke. is. <laughs> I'm just saying that being being here and and saying these things, you know, I'm running a risk. I really am running a risk. But I I just I am who I am, right? And I don't mind. I don't mind having a different perspective. I don't mind that these people believe what they believe. I'm not bothered by it. I I respect that they adhere to a story and that what they've done is create a community around it. Um, and we know all the reasons where it starts to go ski with and gets a little weird and then we get scared of it. And, and you know, I think what we're also doing with this podcast is, is bracing people for the fact that this paradigm of the linear worldview is, is losing its relevance. That's what we see. That is why the American dream, which is based on hierarchy, which is based on a linear approach to things, you know, always one-upping, always one-upping. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not functional anymore. And that is what we're seeing happen. And so what's to come? And we don't know. And one of the reasons we don't know is because we're not supposed to know. We're right. supposed to help create it. We're supposed to start envisioning it. We're supposed to say, oh, cycles, huh? The Democratic National Convention where they had to, they, they couldn't meet because of COVID. They couldn't do it. So what they did is they, I mean, whoever produced this, genius, every single state had, they had to synchronize all the time zones, got together with putting together a group that was going to represent that state. But it, it was an exciting story. Of, I, actually, I remember this, but but, 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 but this story is not, my point is, is like, so their story is, there are lots of people in this in this mix and everybody has it, it's very Aquarian, right? It's everybody has their unique social significance and we're all somehow make it in the community, in the neighborhood. So it's not like this central heroic thing that the hero is the community. The hero is very Aquarian. And that just does not excite everybody on the planet. There's also not a plot. It's not plot driven. No, there's no plot. And that's there, the problem. Right. There's no, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. There's no plot. 
So, you know, like, what is it? What it, and, and, and this is the other thing. Where's the thinking. conflict? Where's the yeah. conflict for all these people who are all, you know, running to bed and breakfast in Maine or planting right. sunflowers? I mean, why is that interesting? Where's the drama? Where's the conflict? Which goes back to our first episode that we were talking about. That is, you know, this conflict, the conflict and the, and the passion that goes into everything is so much a part of our our consciousness of how a story has to be told. There has to be a hero. There has to be something obstacle that is overcome, you know, and then in the third act, it all comes together. That's our dramatic structure. You exactly. can't, and how do you have a, how do you have a play about people just being happy? Right. No, no one wants to watch that. <laughs> what, but let's hear, let's hear about these crappy news people. But one thing I want to throw in there is, is that you know, people need marching orders if they're going to be inspired, right? And and that's the thing. We we're accustomed to hearing marching orders. It's militant. It's you know, we need to know what to do. We need to be told what to do. We need the top. We need the head. We need the capital. Yada yada yada. We talk about that all the time. But in the paradigm, the the last gasp of this uh, linear paradigm, the Democrats really have sucked at their jobs because they have not been willing to say this is what we believe. This is what we're going to fight for. This is what we're going to die for, and then leave it. Leave it, just leave it at that and keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And that is what we have seen for 40 plus years. The Demo I mean, the Republicans do. They have been willing to fail at the polls. They have been willing to fail at getting things done. But they have made it clear by failing that that wasn't what they were caring about at all. They were caring about getting their story out. This is what we believe in. This is who we are. This is what we want you to do. This is what we believe in. This is who we are. This is what we want you to do. And then when it was really clear that they weren't ever going to get it through the democratic process, it didn't matter because we have enough people who are like, well, I know my story now. I know what I identify with. So I'm going to be okay when they use other means, which are not democratic. But, you know, that that's really where I was kind of the more subtle ways I was thinking about this is just like, you know, politically, we can say whatever we want to say about uh, the things that the, the Demo I mean, that the Republicans are doing and, and you know, what they're turning the country into what what the model of um, their environment is for the backdrop of the story they want to tell, but they've been really consistent with telling their story. Mm -hmm. So now what? What are we going to do in this age of Aquarius, where you know the the Democratic Party is just all comers and everybody who wants to to come, but they are hamstrung. They are hamstrung by not being willing to believe that there is the power of imagination. They say, you know, believe in science and then let's reclaim the soul of America. But they never tell you what the soul of America actually is. And they never make it clear that you can actually have a soul that is mystical and that is otherworldly and at the same time really lean on the power of science. And, and I'm starting to wonder if that's because they don't understand it themselves or because the media is that powerful that it drowns out anybody who's actually trying to do that. Anyway, and then now we can talk about how the media. Well, sucks. the media. That's the me. The, well, the media is okay. So you sent me this article, and then there was an article, a, an editorial in the Washington Post, and then I got my nails done. I'm in the in the salon, and I don't watch local news, but the local news channel was on, and it was like pregnant woman hit and run. Here's some video footage. We're gonna run over and over again in slow mo, highlight it so you can see. Bodega stabbing. We have it on video. Let's watch this three times in slow-mo over and over again throughout the, four, throughout the newscast. Killing death, death, killing, and more death. And then I come home and you sent me this email about, yeah, you sent me the op-ed from the Washington Post where, uh, I'm forgetting her name. She's saying, I'm a journalist. I don't watch the news anymore. 
I don't read the news anymore because there's no hope. There's no, there's no agency. There's no dignity. What are we feeding people? So you're talking about this piece written by Amanda Ripley, who is a journalist, and this was an op-ed in the Washington Post. I sent it to you because she's, well, this will be interesting where this goes, right? Because she said, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, just like us as journalists, I can't take it anymore. This is just desperation and making people feel like crap and hopeless. Now there are two things you can, you can do what we're doing. You can look toward a more mystical cosmic type of energy, or there is something that she, I don't know, just, she should go be an enterprise reporter or go be um, somebody involved in solutions journalism, because there is a type of journalism that is emerging where um, reporters stay with stories and say, look, here's the problem. I'm going to keep reporting this until I, I have alerted enough people that come up with a solution and then I'm going to report on the solution and then I'm going to follow up and report how the solution actually does as we gather data on whether or not the solution works. So there, there is, there are some trends changing, but it doesn't matter at the end of the day, if the people in charge are the people who were off going to that um, Sun Valley media mogul thing where, you know, it's just, excuse me, I'm going to be really vulgar. It's just dick swinging because there are no women there. Then, you know, it doesn't matter if you're really interested in changing journalism. Then I say, just bag it, come join us. We have cookies. <laughs> and we sing occasionally. <laughs> we sing. Um, what happens is people get turned off from the mass media and then they don't look for anything. And that becomes concerning because they're not looking, they're not looking for any information about yeah. anything meaningful. That's, and that's they, a highway to apathy. And that's when they go and they live in the, in their small worlds and and you know the planet's falling apart around them and and you know there's going to be a potential uh supply chain crisis if vladimir putin tries preventing grain from leaving ukraine but you don't know about it because that's a really long way away and it doesn't have anything to do with you except that we're all connected now and well i i don't know that i think I actually, I do, I do know. I don't think everyone needs to know that that's what Putin is doing. I really don't. I really don't. I think what people do need to do is if they're not going to, and they shouldn't pay attention to this, these uh, networks anymore, they should make a priority out of informing themselves about what's actually happening in their circle. Draw a circle, right? And just as an aside, NASA and the Hubble and all of these things we were referring to about the universe, show me a straight line in the universe. Just show me because there isn't any, but I'll wait. I'll be waiting while I'm talking. Everything in the universe is cyclical and a circle. Everything that happens in the universe, every place we ever, it's a circle. Just saying. Okay. So draw a circle. There's sirens going off in the background. I don't know if you can hear, but there's like freaking out five alarm fire going down. My my siren angels. The siren angels are saying, woo. Okay. Yeah. So draw, is it draw, okay, so you dip out. All right, no more. I'm not watching any more of these, these media channels that are really all about just capturing my attention and then selling it to somebody and then keeping me absorbed by the conflict that they're going to show me. And then now I got to choose a side and now I got to hate the other side and you know, yada, yada. We listen to all of our podcasts. We explain how that works. Draw a circle around yourself and then put yourself inside that circle and then draw another circle around yourself. So the bigger circle is your sphere. And then the other little circle around you is your sphere of influence. You probably can't do anything about Ukraine. Okay. You probably can't. Now, maybe you can. And if you know that you can, then, then do it. But you probably can do something about the fact that most likely your water 
is in jeopardy where you live. Almost guaranteed there's a problem with your water supply. Either the watershed is in jeopardy or the, the pipes are getting old. I guarantee you the infrastructure where you live or the environmental hazards where you live, there's something threatening your water supply. Do something about that. There's something threatening where you live and you can do something about that. So do that. And then you're going to be empowered. And then there are going to be stories that emerge from that that you can participate in. And then you can start to look at yourself and say, I was one of those heroes. Or I was one of the people who, you know, called on Superman and Superman came. Yeah. Whatever. You know, we also need to start learning perspective and worrying about Putin and Ukraine. Look, it's entertaining and we're going to get to their charts. And it's important to understand from our perspective because we are demonstrating that astrology has a lot to say and a lot to show. But honestly, Elizabeth, when I get off of doing our podcasts, I don't, I don't stress out thinking, what am I going to do about the Ukraine? I don't. I think of other things. And I know that my doing other things is a way that I am actually improving the lives of anyone who comes after me in whatever small way. Because I do believe in service. I, mm. don't believe, I don't believe in apathy. But I also don't believe in useless fretting and mm -hmm. worry you know uselessly fretting about the world going to hell in a handbasket is only going to immobilize me and that's getting back to what you were saying is people are like i'm checking out because this is just nothing but negative 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 so look right. for the stories around you talk to people find out what's really going on and don't get your information from somebody who has a vested interest financially get that in as a like a and a source of information, don't let it be your only source of information. And don't let it be the one that actually tells you the, the truth. <laughs> because it's never the truth. Whoever has the vested interest in something never is telling you the whole story. Never. Like, no, they're not. They're going to tell you the story that will keep them holding all the cards. Yeah. Okay. So this week, uh, Mars is in Taurus. Mars entered Taurus last week. And I, and so anybody that has now Mars, when it goes into Taurus after being in Aries where it's really happy because it can be direct and fiery and, and crusading and holy rollering and all this other stuff. And it's the irresistible force, but Mars goes into Taurus and it's the immovable object. Mars is all about endurance. And it was really amazing to see last week uh, not not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before the headline on the no, yeah, actually it was this past weekend. The headline on the New York Times a, a few days after Mars goes into Taurus, and suddenly we're hearing about the Ukraine war on the front page being a battle of endurance. Mm -hmm. Quickly, the language, the you know the the planetary patterns, the symbols attached to them start to work their way into our collective thoughts, which is fascinating. This is what I do. All right, so. So anybody with a planet at zero degrees of Taurus or zero Leo or zero Scorpio or zero Aquarius would have been hit harder by Mars going into zero Taurus because Mars was going to whack it, uh, make a challenging aspect and create some provocative, provocative something. And so one of the people who, who was hit by that, along with a bunch of other stuff in his horoscope was Boris Johnson. <laughs> My fa I, I forgot who said this, but I love this description of Boris Johnson. It was, of course, a, a, somebody in um, the UK. They said he, he always looks like he rubbed a balloon across his head. <laughs> 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 only a, only a, an English, and it was, I'm sure it was English, only an English reporter would <laughs> come up with something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... <laughs> 
Anyway, so Boris Johnson has the moon at zero degrees of Scorpio. So Mars came along and, and along with other things in his horoscope, um, it was very it's interesting because he had he had that provocation and also Mercury changed signs the same day that Mars changed signs. Mars Mercury went into Cancer, and at, before it did that, it was activating his Gemini Sun, and uh, I believe I believe he's got Mercury up there in Gemini as well. I, I'm not looking directly at his horoscope right now. I probably should because I sent it to you. Um, anyway, so we just knew that th there was a lot going on here. So the timing. Of of his uh, stepping hey, down hey, as leader wait, of the party. What, what did you? No, he's what, got Venus at Venus and Gemini to Venus and Sun conjunct in Gemini, not not Mercury. Uh, yeah, Mercury well, and not only that, it's retrograde and it yes. is very close to the end. It's almost it's essentially the anaerobic degree. Yeah, um, and he has the North Node there, so yep. crises for him are going to be um, rather um, big and public because it's almost yes. into the tenth house. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, so here we have an example of looking at this guy's horoscope. We, and, and with other things that are going on, one of the, the, the biggest humming in the background thing, uh, activating his horoscope is, uh, Neptune, uh, Neptune. There's another way that astrologers have of measuring time that is not looking at where the planets are now relative to planet earth. Uh, it's, it's a technique called a solar arc. I'm not going to get into the technical explanation of what it is. Uh, one of them involves Neptune at the very bottom of his horoscope, uh, you know, in a, in a tense aspect to his Libra ascendant. So there's a lot of potential here for fog, uh, things not being the way they, they appear to be. And maybe the feeling that, that he's kind of standing on quicksand over the next few years and just sort of fogging everything up. And well, so, yeah, um, but I'm looking at this chart. So his yeah. first his first house though is ruled by Venus, which mm -hmm. even though it's retrograde, it is Kazemi. You know, it's right in the mm -hmm. heart of the sun. Mm -hmm. This guy has a way of landing on his feet, mm -hmm. and he will because Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Look at Jupiter up at the top is gonna is exactly. is anything that that Neptune is doing in his horoscope. So uh, what I'm looking at is that Boris Johnson has an exact, well, it's partile, it's, we'll call it an exact, uh, opposition between Jupiter and Neptune. And what's interesting is that one of the dominant patterns of 2022 is this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces, which is the potential of make-believe. And so well, here is here is a person who is making news in a time when this, these themes are prevalent. And so here he has, he's kind of the embodiment of this, this theme and that's what's active in his horoscope. And here he is sort of melting away well, for the moment. Here, here's what's striking me about the chart that you sent me. Um, yeah. So did you cast this? You cast this. Okay. This is the solar. Arc. Yeah. This, yeah. yeah. And these are the solar arcs, and we, but you know where the, you know where the transits are so you can fill them in. Well, I'm actually just looking at this. First of all, when I say Kazemi, folks, what I mean is that um, Venus is at the exact degree that puts it right on top of the sun. If you were to look at it, if you were to actually look at it, the moment he was born, and they were at the exact same point geometrically, right? In their, in their, uh, from our perspective here on planet Earth, in their travel around yeah. in mm -hmm. primary motion across the sky from where we stand here on Earth. And what that means symbolically, typically, 
um, I don't know, maybe other people have had different experiences with this, but typically that also can be translated as um, protected in the heart of the king, right? The sun symbolically is often king or ruler or, you know, the shining light. So, um, and you can't see it, as Elizabeth said, you cannot see it when it's in, when it's Kazemi. So it's protected because it's invisible mm-hmm. and it's, and it's in the heart of the sun. All right. So that's what I meant by Kazemi. And I'm looking at that being opposed by um, his solar arc, Neptune, and then also thinking about the um, transit we talked to everybody about back in April with um, Jupiter and Neptune together in Pisces. And not only is it kind of like, what happened? I mean, you know, like, what's a true, what's fantasy, which is always what's going on around that guy, like what really happened, or downplaying what did happen, it didn't really matter, but does it matter? We're not sure. I think what we're actually seeing with this chart is, is that um, I don't even know that he knows what's close to the fourth house, which is homeland, father, land, you know, whatever. It's also roots. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. It's in, right. In, in, and, and I think you would agree that his, his uh, midheaven is 12 uh, cancer. And so we see Neptune down at the bottom, almost at 11 Capricorn and almost exactly square his 11 Libra ascendant sort of melting down, wiping out his personal projection at the moment. And it will Mm -hmm. move on over the next year. But the thing is, is that in his horoscope, Neptune and Jupiter are always working together. So even though Neptune will hit the bottom of his horoscope, which may make him feel like he's standing on quicksand, I'm not quite sure what he's standing on. Jupiter will be at the top of his horoscope, which often, and Jupiter, interestingly enough, in his horoscope, rules the area. Well, it rules, it rule in, in, uh, I, what did I do? Yeah, I, I did this in Placidus. So, uh, it rules his third house, which is how he needs to think. So it's interesting that you say, I don't think he really knows what he thinks. Well, the ruler of his third house, Jupiter, how he needs to think his communication is opposed by Neptune. Mm-hmm. So things are not as they seem. And there's an idealism about how he needs to think. And a modern psychological astrologer would look at that Cassini Venus, the sun Venus conjunction. And we would add to your, the, your a whole sign interpretation, a classical interpretation, we'd say, this is, this is idealism. This is a man who sometimes cannot see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. He believes so strongly in his own sun, king, Gemini essence, that there's a lack of objectivity when it comes to his values and social mm-hmm. expression. He can't differentiate that anybody else has another way of, of seeing things. So what I was getting at is, is that we're, as it approaches the fourth house cusp in mm-hmm. your, in, in the chart that you've cast and, you know, my perspective, your perspective, fourth house is still going to refer to homeland, the roots, the country, you know, your, your, your patrimony. Um, I think he's also the symbol for the confusion in his country. That's what yes. I'm saying. He's actually the poster child of, we don't know what's true anymore. We don't know what it means to be British. We don't know what it means. We don't even know what we want in a leader. It's all, we thought we wanted this. Enough people thought they wanted him, but then he, you know, he turns out not to be what they thought. Well, you know, some of us. Well, I mean, come on, that was obvious to certain people, but he came into power under times where it was, you know, was a little. Well, that's, that's actually another point. He even came to power in a very Neptunian way. Like what really happened? How much did the, did the Russians actually in? influence what was going on how much did nigel farage know how much you know like there's a lot of like what's really true here Uh uh-huh yeah 
Not only that, but wait, there's more. <laughs> 29 degrees of Aries is where the moon was at when the Brexit deal finally, 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 finally happened at the end of January, whatever it was, I forget. I remember that the moon was at that anoretic, this intense crisis, 29 degrees of Aries, which interestingly enough is also where the moon was at when Biden did his inaugural, was sworn in as president. And so here we had, so what we could see in advance is Mars is moving into Taurus, before it goes into Taurus, it's going to hit 29 Aries. And so the Brexit deal is going to be activated. Boris Johnson horoscope is going to be activated because he's, he's also affected by this Mars transit. The Biden administration is going to be activated. And so is President Biden because Biden's moon is at zero degrees of Taurus. So this is a provocative week for these particular world leaders. Hmm. Hmm. You want to talk about um, J6? Oh, J6, I watched the hearings today. And man, I'm telling you, they they picked a good, they picked a good time. One of the things that was peachy kino is um, we've just had our second hit of our Pluto return on January 11th, which was yesterday. No, July 11th. Um, yeah, thank you. July 11th, which, which really was yesterday and not in some <laughs> alternate reality. Uh, thank God someone is actually listening to what I'm saying. Um, what Jamie Raskin tweeted after the, or he, somebody quoted him, he said that the uh, next hearing, which is next week, was going to be a reckoning for the United States. And I thought, well, let's look ahead to next week, which takes us to Mars will be at 10 degrees of Taurus. Mars will be activating the solar eclipse we had on April 30th. April 30th. And so when you have a when a planet comes and, and, and sits on the same degree of an eclipse, there's often an outburst of energy, particularly if you have a planet around that eclipse degree. For President Biden, he's got... Uh, he has a square between Mars and Pluto that's being activated as Mar when Mars gets to seven degrees of Taurus and then between seven and 12 degrees of Taurus, he's going to be all riled up. Um, the sun and Mercury next week will be opposing Pluto. The sun doesn't oppose, only opposes Pluto once a year. So we, and, and right. around the world for everybody, but especially if you have a planet around 27 degrees of Capricorn, Cancer, Aries, or Libra, because that's where Pluto is right now. It's at 27 Capricorn. So the, and the, other, the other signs matter because it will be making hard aspects to them geometrically. If you were to take it a circle, which is what we're using, and you, you put a point anywhere you put it, and then you divide the circle into quarters, Whatever um, is at that um, degree within those quarters is what she's talking about. It will it will be casting a ray, so to speak. At casting a ray. It will be it will be it will be creating as developmental tension uh, through which we can expect assertive energy or aggressive energy or courageous energy. It doesn't have to be hell. Okay, it could be some that? amazing. Hmm? What day is that? Uh, I I don't. I, I want to say that I think, but don't quote me on this, that the next J6 hearing 
might be next Tuesday, which is the 19th. I, I don't want to, I'm not totally certain, but that is the day at 9.38 p.m. that the sun opposes Pluto and the day before Mercury will have opposed Pluto. And that's always a wonderfully dishy day for investigative reporters. All kinds of news from underground comes up and there are often um, power plays. And then um, Mercury is going to go into Leo that day, which means it's also going to be activating the moon in the US inaugural horoscope for Biden and the Brexit horoscope and all this stuff. So it should be a very interesting day. Oh, and the moon will be in Aries on the 19th, if that's in fact when the J6 next hearing is happening. So it should be, you know, when Jamie Raskin says, yeah, it's going to be a reckoning. Um, I've been looking at this period in July, noting that the solar eclipse of April 30th is going to be activated. And so there's usually something that comes up hmm. like that. And another eclipse that's been activated and then uh, is the uh, full moon we had this week at 21 degrees of Cancer Capricorn. The moon was at 21 Capricorn. Um, the, uh, whenever you have an activation of 20 to 22 degrees of Aries, Libra, Cancer, and especially Capricorn, there is, it has been observed that there is a there is a, some some movement in COVID land. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, because the COVID gene, what the gene sequence was first published, so it has like a little birth date. Happy birthday to you, COVID. <laughs> January tenth, twenty twenty, is when the COVID gene sequence was published. So that's kind of a little birthday. Oh, and that was a lunar eclipse. That was a it was a, and it was a lunar eclipse. Mm -hmm. And Saturn and Pluto were coming together at 22 Capricorn. And that conjunction was exact on January 12th. But, any, but anyway, so, you know, this COVID variant, the subvariant BA4, BA5, is not surprising to astrologers who are looking at a full moon that is repeating a pattern of an eclipse. And so we go, all right, we're not psychic. We don't know what's gonna happen, but we're not surprised to see development on a theme that came into being Right, and an eclipse, that eclipse, by the way, is um, beginnings and endings, basically. I mean, if mm -hmm. you think, I've forgotten who made this analogy to me before, but it's like, taking a ballpoint pen and jamming it into your modem when it doesn't work. And you have to take a little ballpoint pen and push that little button in there to make it start again. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's a reset. It's a reset. And remember, I mean, it's a literal astronomical event where the light goes out somewhere, depending on where you are on earth, mm -hmm. because, you know, when you experience it, the light is out. Okay. And since, you know, we, we live because we have light, right? The sun creates life on earth by giving light and if the moon doesn't have light well that's still the sun's light because the moon is reflecting the sun's light um metaphorically we start to think in terms of okay what light has gone out or what has been reset or what you know what of import 
happens in the dark or what of import happens when the light returns or, you know, just all, all you can run with it. But th those are the kinds of metaphors that we're looking at when we talk about eclipses. So if the sequence for COVID was published on January 10th, when there was this lunar eclipse, I, I would say if it were published on January 10th in Capricorn, you know, yep. and, and it was a Capricorn cancer axis. So I would start to think in terms of themes of, you know, the system as we know it is, is ending. The system as we know it is breaking down. That would be Capricorn. And the system as we know it, as it relates to our country, our homeland, our families, it's breaking down. That would mm -hmm. be cancer. That would be cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And the Saturn and Pluto conjunction that was part of that eclipse pattern on January 10th, 2020, suggested a need for some reason. I, I wasn't creative enough or imaginative enough to think that it might be a pandemic, but I thought that in the ensuing months, especially around mid-March, we were likely to see some need for extreme control. Mm -hmm. And that's what we had. Yeah. Yeah. So that's astrology. When you can figure out what it all means, you can tell a story. You can figure out, you can imagine the plot line. When you have the parts that you want to bring together to derive meaning from what is going on. That is why the, the universe does not have to be a random and scary place for you or a random and chaotic place. I, I always say it's not necessarily scary, but it, you know, I also know it is scary, but it's not like it's entirely out of our control. And that's why I, I go back to, look, it doesn't have to always be so frightening, but that, you know, that gets into some other realms that we haven't really gotten into, which is faith. And, you know, for me, increasingly the more that i work with astrology the more that i see that it actually does inform my faith so but yeah well the james webb telescope should be a screaming beacon that there's a lot more going on than we know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we Absolutely. are such a, a minute and yet at the same time significant part of it absolutely no question you know, that would be a great place for us to open up questions to people for our next episode. And I have been thinking that, that um, um, we should do an ask me anything because I get questions from time to time. And, you know, you and I sometimes are like, wait, why did you say that? Or like, why do you believe that or whatever? Because we don't practice the same uh, house system. And I am very committed to the house system that I use, even though I've, you know, I started off as your student and I was learning Placidus from you, and I was learning the modern psychological way from you, and then we've also studied together, um, or we've studied with the same traditional teachers. So, you know, why do you choose what you choose, and why do I choose what I choose? I, I, people want to know. I have been asked a couple of times, you know, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. So, um, so listen, if you have questions for us, I think the next next episode, what we're going to do is just answer your questions. So, what's the best way to get those questions to us? Well, Elizabeth is phenomenal at social media. So you can go to her. I'm going to let you tell everybody how to reach you on social media, but you can go to her or you can just go to Ensouled, E-N-S-O-U-L-E-D, ensouled.substack.com, become a subscriber and then comment, you know, um, just put your put, put whatever it is you want to know in the comment section of this episode. Uh, or Elizabeth, how do they reach you? 
So you can reach me through my website, elizabethgrace.com, which is also graceastrology.com. Both of them will work. Um, Elizabeth is spelled with an S, not a Z. Right. Which is why if I say graceastrology.com, you'll probably, you may get there faster. Uh, but, but when it comes up, it will say elizabethgrace.com and you will be in the right place because there will be astrology all over it. So that should be reassuring and not and not the the sexy the romance, Canadian, yeah, the, the Canadian, Canadian the bodice ripper, novelist, the, the <laughs> bodice ripper, which I would I would have done if if my if my if certain anyway. No, you wouldn't have. You would have been on Broadway. I would have been on Broadway. Okay, yeah, because I'm abroad. All right, so um, yeah, so go to my website. There's contact form. You send a question there. You can find me on Twitter, Grace Astrology. Um, you also are you on can, Facebook. I'm on Facebook, Grace Astrology. That's right. Yeah. So send your questions our way. And, you know, I was saying this earlier, we are getting some attention, um, but it's really disproportionate. We have thousands of downloads, but we have hundreds of subscribers. <laughs> so so we, we're, um, we passed 100 um, a couple weeks ago of subscribers, but, you know, like the downloads are fantastic. So and we are getting supporters that are going to improve yeah. the technology of this <laughs> podcast. We are so deeply grateful to those who have chosen to back us financially. Yes. We I'm laughing will... because I have been directed, get a new <laughs> microphone now. Yes. And, and because we have material supporters and we thank you and I am praying to you. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. It is now possible for me to invest some more in the technology of this. So thank you. And if... What I was going to say is we're still, however, at, at the uh, nascent stage of our trajectory of success. And so if you want to get in on the ground floor <laughs> and say, I knew them when yeah. I was one of the people who helped them, you know, now's your time. Mm -hmm. So in any case, we just we, we appreciate all the attention and we appreciate all the questions and we appreciate all the love and the likes. We, it's nice light. to see hearts at the bottom of the stuff thing when we post things instead of comb your hair. Well, I think even being being told to comb your hair and and you know this is bullcrap still says she cared she, she cared, cared enough she cared to enough edit to send the very comment. best she cared enough to send the very best and she cared enough to comment and then edit it and edited it because she thought it might what it was going to make her look bad I don't know it's like <laughs> she just didn't want to hurt your feelings but she didn't want right. He wanted you to comb your hair because it was looking wild, as it often does when we're doing this, because by the end of the, the, end of the day when we record this, and both of us look like, oh my God, I can't believe we have to do this still. <laughs> Everything it's else I did summer. today. It's humid. The humidity. Come on. When I lived in Los Angeles, I had the flattest hair in the world. And now I'm in New York and it's like... Anyway, we love yep. you guys. This is we we, this we really, is so much fun. It is so much fun. It is. I love seeing you with your hair wild and everything. And then we don't <laughs> use the video. But anyway, folks, until next time, send us your questions. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You could be doing so many other things, hopefully not watching network news, but we appreciate the time you spend. But with you us. can do some things while you're listening to this thing so yes, you, you can know, do needlepoint you, know, you can do needlepoint and or you can get a pedicure and listen to us instead of watching the local news so what do we say at the end we say look up and we say look up yeah. and i would also like fill your hearts with hope okay don't fill your heart with doom and apathy fill your heart with hope because it's hope there. humanity dignity Kindness. agency yeah yeah well, it's always, always do your best it's always one choice away yep all right my friend, 
Thank you. Until next time, folks, look up and we'll see you then and we'll look for your questions. Yep. Bye. Bye.